0: And welcome back to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen uh my co-host for today is someone who i have been hoping and dreaming of getting on this show since its very inception one of those like well who would you like to have on feeling scene jordan if we actually get to do this and this person this uh this writer this director this creator of the hit comedy we are lady parts on peacock this writer director of the new film polite society that is an absolute blast nita Welcome onto the pod. Is there anything else that people should know about you fundamentally before we get going so we have a good foundation under us?
1: Oh, no. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for that incredibly warm welcome. Of course. I think, I think you said it all. You said it all. You know, that's who I am. That's where I'm at. I'm excited to be here.
0: <laughs> well, and you're also you're also BAFTA-nominated uh, writer and director uh, for We Are Lady Parts. And I, I must correct you, Jordan. I did actually win the BAFTA. BAFTA or Winnie. After winning oh 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 oh,
1: god and it was given to me by olivia coleman which was probably the coolest part of it so i what
0: yeah. does one do when both faced with at the same time one's own bafta and olivia coleman
1: I think I said something like Olivia Coleman
0: just gave me a thing. <laughs> yeah. went down, it was honestly my
1: thought. I was like, oh, she just touched me. It was just all too much.
0: Honestly, though, that's not entirely different what, from what Olivia Coleman did when Olivia Coleman won an Academy Award. She just like got up on stage and called it a joke, and like barely was able to get out of her seat. So you and Olivia Coleman have like I feel like a similar response to receiving like pinnacle awards in your career.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I suppose anything that makes me closer to Olivia Coleman. will take it. I'll take it. (laughs)
0: So, um, Polite Society what a what a wonderful time at the movies that was I was just I'm immediately charmed getting into anything that's going to be like this is going to be about martial arts can be about fighting and it's gonna be about sisters doing sister things and having a sister's love story sister love stories girl best friend love stories that's gonna really be my home base as I wear my Jennifer's body t-shirt during this interview um I guess like before we get into the sort of meat of the conversation I wanted to hear what sister love stories mean to you and I think that will sort of take us into your filming character pick for this as well.
1: True. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up with an intensely close relationship with my older sister. We're a year apart, you know, we're best of friends and worst of enemies and went through all the ups and downs of what it means to be a sister. I just don't feel like we see it enough on screen. Mm -hmm. And every time I have seen it or something equivalent, a sister friendship, you know, friendship, female friendship, it's just enlivening because it's so unique in its, in its brutality, but in its love that, I was like, I need to do this. And I want to do it with the action genre. Because again, action doesn't really look at what it means to be a woman, what sisterhood is. So just mashing those things together was literally, was so exciting.
0: I think that's and that, a thing I really liked about um, a thing I loved about the action and polite society, actually, is that there is a rawness to it. Like we're coming to this we're in this amazing sort of bloom of action cinema where I feel like people are really like it's it's one of my like specialty areas. And it's so exciting to see people taking it more seriously as an art form and being like, hey, stunts for Oscars and 8711 and the 87 North guys coming in and sort of revolutionizing how seriously we take action presentation here in the United States, like competing on par with, I would say, films in Southeast Asia that come out of places like Indonesia and South Korea and what we see in We Are Lady Parts is this really like raw tangible kind of action choreography and fighting style where you feel like these people like it's a little bit secret agent like surprise secret agent but it also feels like things that like nah this high school girl could do these things like the way that these two girls in this school are kicking each other's ass right now during passing time like I don't feel like I'm watching a Marvel character right now I feel like I'm watching two girls just like unleash the inner beast and I thought that was a really thoughtful choice as like narrative as action that was part of this movie
1: thank you jordan thank you i mean uh yeah i was so keen on the actors doing as much of the fighting as possible mm-hmm. i didn't care for it to be perfect mm-hmm. i cared more for to, to feel the character in their bodies to feel so much of that characterization comes through the physical performance so i just wanted the actors to do as much and then you know working with the stunt team to pitch the fight at the right level so they can feel really powerful <laughs> you know i'm glad you felt the rawness because this is a film about a teenage girl and her experience and that's my that's how i approach the filmmaking i'm like this is ria's movie as she would make it mm-hmm.
0: i like that it's ria's movie as she this is the movie she would make you're at like it's like we're watching her make her movie to be this like aspiring to be this stunt woman in real time i really like that
1: absolutely which was so freeing for us because you know we we had support but you know sometimes we had to enter some gonzo style filmmaking (laughs) i had these really elaborate sequences we gotta like strip it down we need to finish the day we need to make it and it (laughs) required us to be light on our feet and like be fast be kind of move and and again approaching it in that punk spirit and with that sort of teenage angst kind of driving it was really fun and that's how we approached the action we wanted it to feel visceral but we wanted it to feel raw we wanted to feel as the bodies that these women in their bodies you know have rahila in butcher mm-hmm. really she was on the wire doing those wire moves and just seeing her fly was like oh but as much as the actors could do i was so excited i just loved seeing them do the moves there's a truth in that mm-hmm. and you know Hong Kong kung fu does that but with with incredible martial artists. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole different kind of thing, but there's again a joy of seeing
0: an actor do do the fighting because you feel it you feel the character i completely agree and i th- this makes me think. Of this, neither here nor there but there's an, a hong kong movie called the inspector Wore skirts and there's one action sequence near the end of that where you watch the stunt performer jump from like a second story balcony to drop kick someone on the ground floor they hit they hit that person they kick them then they hit the ground and you watch them like recoil in pain and grab their back and you're like Boy, they had to get that in one because that person couldn't come down that that drop again. But that's when you really you're like, yep, that's what that fight would look like. That person's not popping right back up. That's some real life shit right there but Polite Society being the story of a high school girl whose college age big sister the coolest person in her world who is critically depressed Um, they rely on each other they lean on each other they're like the best of friends and then her older sister like she starts pairing off with a guy who takes a shine to her it becomes a fast and furious relationship and her younger sister Rhea is just so sure that something is wrong with this guy so Polite Society is the story of her and her the younger sister and her friends trying to band together to protect the older sister from this possibly probably sinister man and his very involved mother and so that takes us into the story of another girl at odds with coming of age and the character you've brought for us to discuss today vivian abramowitz in slums of beverly hills as played by natasha leone And like, as you were talking about like the rawness and the messiness, and I've read you talk about like with polite society wanting to make something where like the violence of teenage girlhood was something that was actually presented manifestly in physical violence on screen. This movie is like discomfort coming of age comedy at its sort of most indie nineties and like visceral. And I, what was your initial experience in your life with the slums of Beverly Hills? You oh, Jordan, Jordan.
1: I <laughs> watched that film having, you know, I love teenage, as a teen, I would very mm-hmm. you know, consume teen movies. Okay. It was often, it was young men at the heart of them. And, to, you know, Slums of Beverly Hills was the first time I'd seen one that centered a woman mm-hmm. that I really connected with that actually explores the experience of being a teenage girl. And like, as you say, the most visceral form, oh, I'm evangelical about this film. Not enough people mm. have seen films of Beverly Hills of the like
0: Natasha Leone '90s canon. It has not rise to the headline status that it should. It
1: should it's a bloody masterpiece, and I'm obsessed with it. And so much of like being if, be, being in your body as a teenage girl, you know, it's weird man, you. I feel like I went through a, a period where I really felt alienated from my own body. I was doing martial arts. I love sports. And all of a sudden, you're like, go from a child to being like an object, and everybody looks at you. And that opening scene in, in some of the Beverly Hills where her dad is like, My kid just got stacked. It's a bit of a tomboy, isn't she? What do you suggest? It's the first one. Her first?
0: Yeah. She needs more than a training bra, I can tell you that.
1: It happened, I tell you, overnight. She got stacked just like a mother.
0: God. She wants with the underwire.
1: Uh.
0: Just a normal one that doesn't point. I'll need to measure her. We need to find out her cup size. Right, okay, I'll take a walk. You'll need to lift up your arms. That a girl.
1: And she's there awkwardly trying on a bra, feeling all the shame. And I think her opening lines are like, I'm deformed.
0: I'm deformed. She's just standing there in a bra, looking entirely normative body and just being like, I'm deformed simply by virtue of my boobs having arrived. Like, oh God, this is the worst day of my life. Absolutely, honestly, uh, I felt so seen So seen in
1: that first (laughs) scene, because I felt the same, you know, the exact same, the girl gets her boobs first and everybody's just like, what has happened? You feel like a circus freak. That film just so encapsulates that. And for me, making Polite Society, I wanted to use action because it's so embodied. It's, you know, it's so cathartic because I got to show a teenage girl in her body feeling mm-hmm. physically unified with it in a way that I felt like separation happened. Slums of Beverly Hills really looks at that that separation that happens. It's so, so hard to, to describe it, but it's just beautifully done in this movie and seeing the way, you know, Vivian is now treated differently, the way she feels alienated from her body, where the way she's told that she's somehow... Her look is is sort of sort of trashy, having just <laughs> so like humor of a trashy and kind of passe, big boobs. Mm-hmm. Passe, and it's oh, it's just the constant objectification. I I felt so seen, and Tamara Jenkins just pours in so much love, so much nuance, so much hilarity. This film was everything for me, and it's one I constantly go back to when I'm you know starting a new project. Are you staring at my breasts? No. <sighs> look at them. Okay.
0: What do they make you think?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: Do you think they look deformed? I think they look beautiful.
1: Do you want to touch them? Okay.
0: I've read you talking about making We Are Lady Parts, which is the story of uh, a group of, of young Muslim women who have they form a punk band. And they like one of them is a Ph.D. student. Like these are these are uh, like women charging forward in their passions and interests. Some are getting married off. Some are feeling the pressure to being married off. But they want to compete in like a, a band competition like that is sort of the end goal of the Lady Parts group. And I've read you talking about how uh, like you felt it sounds like a sort of pressure to make a story more Sad that was about a bunch of brown women when you were initially like taking this around. It was like, yeah, but can it be like more grief kind of situation? And I, what we see and what we see with like slums of Beverly Hills, you have a situation where this is like. There's a dark sort of lining to this movie. This is about, like, it's Alan Arkin as the father to three children, and they're broke. And he wants to keep them in Beverly Hills because that's the good schools, and a good education is forever, and an address is temporary sort of situation. But, like, there's the sort of undercurrent of melancholy throughout the entirety of slums of Beverly Hills where you're watching this poor family have to fit into this rich area and kind of not be themselves because being themselves would cast them out socially and rob them of opportunities while at the same time the movie is wanting you to enjoy yourself and enjoy and relate to the awkward silliness of coming of age and I think like taking something like you know Teenage girl bodies, which are so fraught. And like you said, when you when you develop and suddenly you have these curves in the shape, like society changes your place in how you move through the world. And to take something like this that does feel so awkwardly uncomfortably real, but not really dragging itself in sort of like the the sad discomfort of that kind of change. It's nice to watch something where it's like, yeah, but something that is tough doesn't have to feel shameful and shitty. You can just sort of laugh along with it. If you, if you know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think the use
1: of comedy is so powerful um in this movie because it's disarming. It brings you in and then when those poignant moments hit you, when you see Alan Arkin's character at his lowest and you see the family really struggle, mm-hmm. it hits in a kind of very deep way because you're so disarmed, you're so in love with these characters, you're, you're so, having such a joyful time that I feel like, if anything, it just brings up those sort of, those darker moments in, in a really poignant way. And mm-hmm. and I think, you know, I, I always am obsessed with comedy because I, in its power of, I think, bringing audiences in and bringing them close and exploring complex. You know, nothing, this, this, film and these characters and this girl's experience is actually explored with such complexity and sometimes I feel like it's an idea that comedy can kind of flatten that but mm-hmm. actually this film is just full of nuance and as you say the the light and the dark sits so closely and it, it just feels so true to so you know your experience of being a teenage girl like how you know it's It's everything, it's, you know, everything happening all at once. It's like constantly there together. So yeah, I I totally agree with you on that.
0: I I don't need you. I don't need
1: your stupid shoes or your clothes. I don't need anything from you or anybody. Don't come near me. The whole family is sick. I hate us. We're freaks. We're not freaks. (laughs) Oh, we're not. No. (sighs) Oh, what
0: then? Slums of Beverly Hills is, in its way, too, like a story of sort of found sisterhood between Vivian's character and Marissa Tomei's character, who is like the late twenties, f- serial in and out of rehab. She comes to live with this family because Alan Arkin's like, "You're my brother. Uh, if I'm gonna look after your daughter, it's gonna cost you," and that way he can kind of upgrade them in Beverly Hills. She's given a lot of thought,
1: Mickey. She wants to be a nurse. Well, she says it's something she's always dreamed of. Uh, I don't know, I think it's I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I maybe mean, it'll give a fresh start and I can keep an eye on her. I can't do it alone though, Mickey. I'm gonna need help and it's not gonna be cheap. You're gonna have to kick in, Mickey, on a monthly. Yeah, yeah, here she is.
0: Hi, Poppy. Yeah, <laughs> a nurse. <laughs> And I wanted to hear about like was that something that registered when you watched this film early on was that sisterly connection with those two characters was that something that was spoke to you even then early watching film
1: Absolutely I mean I was obsessed with Marissa Tomei's character she's she's just flawed and yet lovable and warm and complex and sexy and you know I just thought she was magnificent and like mm-hmm. her and Natasha Leon's Vivian are just this joyful pairing there's this amazing dance scene you know in many <laughs> ways the dance in polite society is very much in Spotify where these two just start to move and start to jive and they're in their bodies and you see you know Marissa Tomei's character really encouraging Vivian to love her sexuality mm-hmm. you know? marissa Tomei is so kind of overtly sexual in a really empowered great way she's so comfortable in her own skin Mm -hmm. and it's so exciting to see this character on screen because you're like she's fully embodied as a woman Mm -hmm. and you know we see a lot of tits in this film yeah it's the first time i'd seen this much boob (laughs) and it not be from the male gaze i was like we can show our boobs in cinema like that's (laughs) that's okay to do because I was so glad it did show the boobs because you feel again like by hiding them would be shaming them. You know, mm-hmm. so by seeing it on camera, like these amazing, beautiful boob shots, I'm just like, <laughs> seeing a woman's point of view, my tiny teenage mind exploded so much through this film and how much representation I felt so seen constantly in so many different ways and like exploring burgeoning sexuality, that feeling of shame and disgust in your body when she wants to get a boob reduction. And mm-hmm. I felt those very same feelings that like you'll somehow all of a sudden go from being like a geeky whatever to like some cheap, you know. You Just treat it as though you're disgusting because of your physical changes. It's just, uh, it just encapsulates so much, and I can, uh, I, I'm obsessed.
0: And I, I, you know, I wonder for for the folks out there who did not like come in come into boobs in, in their developmental years, like if they realize like what the way the world bends around the like. I remember you didn't want to be the first girl who got boobs in your grade. You didn't want to be that. Per- I remember that girl. I remember when that girl got boobs in my grade, and it was fourth grade and we didn't know what that word meant but that girl was a slut yeah like I remember when that word started being put on that girl in my class in the fourth grade something we would heard from older siblings and movies and probably parents and suddenly because she looked more like a grown up than we did that was the label that got put on her Yep. And that was nothing different but her showing up at school. Like, that is suddenly how the world develops differently around you and assesses what your role is in everyone's life and choices you have made and private things about you simply by virtue of a girl's body coming into form. And I just, like, that is, I think of, that is a core memory for me, remembering how big of a deal it was that some other girl around me Got boobs, and we all were allowed, we were entitled to have a goddamn opinion about that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I was that girl. I was one of the first two in my class, and honestly, thoughts and prayers. Wow. Yeah. I was, I stopped doing sport. I stopped doing martial arts. I I internalized some sort of shame, and that's my art is all about me trying to reclaim something that I lost Mm. in those years. And that's why whenever I see, women's stories being told with the nuance and the truth and the complexity and the pain and the joy through, you know, Mm. it, it honestly, it means everything. Um, so yeah, it's like people don't realize how, this is a film you know, so much about this girl's boobs, but I'm like, (laughs) this is some traumatizing shit when you're at the front line and the way, Mm -hmm. you know, all our stories are told by men and, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, you know, within the patriarchy where women have been traditionally objectified throughout. All the years, mm-hmm. ever,
0: ever, forever,
1: <laughs> ever and ever. men Like, mate, we gotta do something about it. We gotta, we gotta take the reins here. We gotta tell our own stories. And, and you know, this film for me really changed something. It made me feel different in my body when I watched it. Um, and I'm,
0: yeah, I'm so excited by this conversation because, like, they're we're I feel like we're coming to this um I would like to think of as coming to this different threshold of how we understand that the only way to present bodies on screen is not the way we've understood it since like the glorious erotic thriller era of the 90s kind of situation but there's there's something about like the fun of watching those movies comes with like the, the taboo and the sort of transgression of being like man they don't make them like they used to and like I want the erotic thriller back but I also don't want to make them quite like we used to because how we used to exactly isn't like 100% cool but like then I I remember when the movie Revenge came out and I was talking to the director Coralie Farge about how important it was to her to to have her lead character in a bikini or something equivalent basically the entire time. Like when we meet Matilda Letts' character, she's not wearing much clothes and then she's in a bikini, she's by the swimming pool. And when she comes into sort of like her final girl attire, she's in like almost like tactical underwear throughout the rest of the movie. And it was so important to her to want to keep Matilda sort of exposed the entire time because she did not want her strength and her essentially final girl arc to be dictated by an arrival of modesty into her character. She wanted the exposure of her body and her skin when she was vulnerable and she was assaulted in the film to be the same amount of exposure as when she was at her most powerful and like killing her oppressors because the the amount of skin showing was not a reflection at all of her humanity or the vengeance she deserved or her power. And so to watch something like Polite's Society and have like that wonderful, messy, like tangible kind of style fighting style. So your actors can actually do the moves themselves as much in camera as you can get. Like I think the idea of giving us different possibility models for what female physicality can embody, particularly about like young developing women, is such a cool thing to to be excited about and to prioritize in your work. Thank you. And you know what you say about
1: it's difficult as women when we're approaching how we, how we put our bodies on screen again, Mm -hmm. how much of, I feel like the patriarchy we've internalized it. And even as I'm like thinking about how, how much skin to show, how little skin to show, especially when I was making my show, we are lady parts about Muslim women, modesty. I don't know. There's something in that word of modesty is it's gotta be right. If it's right for you, it's, it's all great, but there's, there's shame around it to think that we've got to cover up to be somehow acceptable in society. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm again like you're saying in revenge and in slums of beverly hills we see flesh it Mm -hmm. celebrates flesh and it's embodied and it's empowered and and and, you know yeah it's it's so important in just thinking consciously about how we film and put women's bodies on screen
0: well and and is that something like you know with like we are lady parts i guess i wanted to hear from you about like The process of like asserting that you're allowed to have like, as I understand it, I, I think you are your family is Pakistani Muslim. And I think like raised across like Singapore and London. And I wanted to hear from you about like in your career, asserting that you have permission to be joyful. And you have permission to present that on screen. And that that is something that, like, in its, like, unfortunately, in, like, the vast barren desert of representation, when you become responsible for, like, being everybody's avatar in your community, like, being, like, asserting joy as, like, can be, like, sorry, here's the burden of representation revolution on your shoulders to carry about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's
0: a, it's it' I felt it and it was
1: heavy, but, you know, ultimately I had to let go of it to and just kind of just really sort of hone in on who I am in my, my specific truth. And, you know, so much of that, as you say, was just showing Muslim women expressing joy and being funny. That was honestly, I'm like, for me, I've got this show needs to show a diverse group of women who are different in their bodies, have different, mm-hmm. I, wear their religion and their identity in different ways, yet love each other. Mm-hmm. This was also something about the sisterhood being like, you do you, man, I'll do me and we still have love. And that mm-hmm. was so much. And like, how they wear their clothes, how you know, the costuming was everything of like, yeah. how they express their identities, how they feel great. And even the aesthetic of the film, I was like, I want this to feel beautiful. Each of the characters to feel like, we are celebrating their their bodies, their mm-hmm. their visual, their aesthetic, because it's about all these different ways of existing being celebrated. No one is right, no one is wrong. It's just mm-hmm. personal taste, and I feel like you know, especially as Muslim women, there is there is a, a pressure, you know, there is an idea that we're all like the same. It's yeah. actually so much diversity within that experience, and so for me, like you know, I wanted to show that that kind of that breadth of different ways of being
0: every time uh the the character of of rahila in in polite society can you tell me the name of that actress nimra butcher is her name oh my god the glamour the style i every time she was on screen i was like she is feasting right now (laughs) and that she became immediately one of my favorite just like bitch matriarchs in a movie
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you loved it, because she was everything for me. You know, I want to see a matriarch upholding the patriarchy. Uh,
0: Yes! We've got to see that! We are dropping the ball if we are not showing the Serena Joys who are upholding the whole goddamn system. Absolutely.
1: Nothing is more vicious than your own kicking you in the face. Uh Uh-huh. It was fun to show her. Great hair. Like, I love being able to explore the dark feminine with the light feminine, whatever that even means. It's something an (laughs) angry woman, you know, kick ass and like, it's still empowering somehow, even though she's not, she's not on the right side, if you will, but she's (laughs) like fierce and beautiful and sexy and all these things bitter and angry and i was so excited
0: to show that side of femininity as well with that character i immediately wanted to see somehow her and Shore agdash lu in some sort of teaming up capacity with just like glamorous women with like deep voices like m- making everything else in the world dim by comparison i was like how do we get them together in something that would be sick <laughs> i think the universe would blink out of existence or at least i would so that it could be could simply be too much It's time for a quick break, but I'll be right back with more of my conversation with Nita Mansoor. Then I'll have one quick thing about cinema itself, the Equalizer 3 trailer. Denzel's coming back. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hello, I'm Laurie Kilmerton. We do a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show, and you could listen to it anytime you want it because there's hundreds of episodes. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing comedy forever, and we should both quit. So why don't you listen up <laughs> before we leave this, not only terrible business, but this awful world. And find out why we can't. It's because we love it so. The Jackie and Lori Show. Every week, here on MaximumFun.org.
1: I'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume, whether it's our food, our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation, the show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek Industrial Complex that they can't control your mind.
0: back to Feeling Scene Today, I'm talking to the director of the new film, Polite Society, Nita Mansoor. Nita is also the BAFTA-winning creator, writer, director of the series We Are Lady Parts. And the film she's brought to us today is Tamara Jenkins' first feature starring a teenage Natasha Leone. It is Slums of Beverly Hills, an underseen treasure. So let's get back to it. I wanted to hear from you about, like, you know, in the inverse of, like, like the beauty and the style of polite society, like, what we have in Slums of Beverly Hills is this, like, extremely normal, like, 1970s, like, this kind of, like, it's pops of color, but it's got, like, this family's living in a sort of drab situation, and I wanted to hear from you about the tangibility of watching a movie, where it just feels so, like... It's sort of, it's very, it's stylish in its own right, but it also feels sort of so outside of overt stylization that it feels like you can really immerse yourself. And that is somebody like immersing themselves in teen movies. Where did this sort of sit in terms of like, it's aesthetic for you. It's not like a, it's not a bring it on. It's not a like hyper, like hyper real adjacent to this own universe we live in language. It is just like dropping in on people in a slice of life. And I wanted to hear about that as like impressionable upon you as a filmmaker. Like what was this like for you to watch as someone who was? would go on to tell stories of their own. Wow, that's such a, a great question. I think you're right. There's something was so
1: refreshing about watching this film compared to the Bring It Ons, which is so polished, perfectly mm-hmm. turned out. Everyone's got this amazing hair. There is a kind of grit to Slums of Beverly Hills.
0: You feel the sweat on people in this movie a little bit.
1: You smell it. You feel like the heat. You feel like, yeah, as you say, the sweat. There's a grime. It's the slums of Beverly Hills. There's, <laughs> there's a kind of grime it's a bit gross and you know (laughs) I also look to another film that you know when I think about a coming of age um about womanhood is that
0: film Raw, the French film by Julia Ducournau. Man, that one really got that one really got under my skin and in my heart. That was oh, I love that movie. The, it, it and that performance just by, by it, it, the the central performance in that the character of Justine is just so absolutely grab you by the throat. Remarkable, oh, isn't it? But even
1: with that film, just like Slums of the Velvet Hits, there's a kind of a grime. It's it just feels dirty and disgusting, and there's something that's so empowering to see women portrayed through a disgusting lens, not Mm -hmm. in an ugly way. It's beautifully aesthetic, but there's a grime. There's like a truthful, like dirt and grit. And like, you know, as women, we always like this pressure to be like perfectly turned out, perfectly Mm -hmm. off. But these films are like showing women through a lens of like, again, truthfulness. There's, there's this incredible French philosopher, Virginie Dupont. He says, women are more like King Kong than Kate Moss. And that for me speaks of both these movies and makes you feel like, again, like I don't need to perform some sort of ridiculous version of femininity where I need to be perfectly turned out. You know, it's empowering to see women just be gross, you Mm -hmm. know, in their bodies and like own that. And I say gross, beautiful, but you know, we internalize this idea of like something wrong with us. We bleed every month you know we grow mm-hmm. ahead and we sweat it's just like oh seeing that in raw as well the kind of body horror the physicality that's just i felt very represented by that as well and i felt like there's a kind of a connection to sums of beverly hills as well
0: well, and that's and that's another sisters film. Like that's I that is like the the way that Ra triumphs as a sisters film, and just sort of like the unflinching brutality with which those two girls, like those two central characters, come at each other in the end, just like locked jaws biting into each other in public in public like that's a that's a fight scene where it's like well we need to have like the first ad here like we need to choreograph to make sure it's safe but you're like shit was any did somebody walk out of here without a hand like this looks like it got pretty bad that that fight scene was
1: so inspiring to me when i approached my sister fight like as you're saying biting chunks out of each other and i was like (laughs) i felt so seen in in that in that scene because that's what it feels like when you fight with your sister she is Mm -hmm. biting a piece out of you she knows exactly how to fucking kick you where it hurts (laughs) I was like I gotta have some biting in my fight.
0: well and I I, I've had some long conversations with uh, the UK film journalist Anna Bogutskaya about like gross women and like the wanting to revel in sort of like the grossness of a terrifying woman and what we sort of honed in on was the Australian horror movie The Loved Ones which features a like your central antagonist is a high school girl who her and her dad like kidnap suitors for her and torture them and you enter this story as she they kidnap a suitor and it's following sort of him as our main hero with him trying to get free of this like prom within their house like dinner before the dance between princess the lead girl and daddy and and the boy that they tie down to a chair in the kitchen in the dining area and like this actress is beautiful and like the character princess is she's very pretty but like when you meet her at the table She's like eating chicken really nastily and she's got like grease on her face. She's got like stuff on her fingers. And the idea of putting grossness onto... Beautiful people is like no, it's not like just something that we should attach to like hag exploitation. Like, hey, when you see gross women that are gross all the time, like you should know that they're evil and you should avoid them. Like the idea of like taking a beautiful character and then just sort of soaking them in something that is revolting is a really like cool thing to see and extra scary because it's like wow, you thought you could bet on that packaging and you thought you know for most of the time like you you can trust that white woman but like you sure can't that is so
1: that is so true and there's something about eating and women eating which i also just absolutely adore seeing in cinema because again as women there's sometimes a complicated relationship with food you know yeah look is everything society tells us so what you eat is everything so mm-hmm. seeing a woman chow down messily like i have a few in, in like a few scenes where the the women are eating and I'm like, I, I what's wrong with me? Here? You don't have to like reflect on yourself and be like, what am I what's what's happening? Why do I want my actors to like stuff a duck in their face? <laughs> okay in the most disgusting way. I'm just because like again, food represents something is like a woman eating and not caring about her physical appearance. It's just mm-hmm. like something. Like, that feels
0: radical still in seeing women just chow down big time on screen you know isn't it nuts that we can be in 2023 and be like isn't it wild to see women eating on screen but it kind of still feels like it is It is. is you oh man that's
1: true it's still a thing it's still a thing
0: yeah, like, you're, like, y- y- it's amazing that, like, you know, having, like, being, like, I want to show the violence, like, of Hell as a Teenage Girl as, like, choreographed fight scenes and, like, the savagery of the patriarchy through, like, a violent plot to, like, hijack a woman, but also in some level, it's, like, but also what's crazy would be watching them eat. It's like, <laughs> I do know.
1: I mean, it's kind of sad that still, like, I'm just there on the monitor, like, eat that burger, loving it, like, like get <laughs> some weird kick out of, like, please, like. Working through some demons here. But like um <laughs> in their like wedding regalia. Yes. Wedding outfits, burgers. It's all the ju- all the juxtaposed this sort of, you know, they're essentially human baubles in these outfits. Yeah. But you know, it's those things of the beauty, the need to be beautiful, you know, just being smacked with like eat that burger. <laughs>
0: It's just me subverting an expectation. Now, I, you know, like, listen. It can like, it, I just want it to be about women indulging in things like whether that's a burger or each other or dancing or now to to that end, like we have in um, slums of Beverly Hills, this character who just like. So not fitting in one's body, but like also being reinforced that like, wow, you're quite the hottie over there. Wanted to talk about that, like that notion of like watching a character who's being given the cues that they are desirable as a result of the way that their body is changing. But while at the same time, that is at odds with like the 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 socially acceptable form of desirability that this girl has grown into in Vivian is something that's actually, something she doesn't want at all. And I wanted to hear about like, did that sort of touch on with your experience? Like you said, you had to stop, you stopped doing martial arts. Like you changed things that you loved about your life because like theoretically you got, these assets came in that you should have viewed as something you were grateful for, but were something that were foisted upon you. And like, I, you know, watching the experience of like, Oh, God, no, I want to reject my allegedly like babeness as well and put that away. Like, and then we, I guess, learn at a certain point that, like, no, I guess I should embrace this babeness, but what does that, e- what does being a babe even mean to me? Like, where did you find your, where did you start finding your hotness, I guess? Man,
1: you know, so I'm still on the road. I'm still on the road. <laughs> you know, that said, like, shit, it's weird. You're right. It's, that's how this, I don't know how Slums of Beverly Hills and carry these two things it's like yes she's being she's always undesirable but the kind of desire you know people are she's being objectified she's only being seen for her breasts you know yeah and all these other things that she was and that she is are just gone and then now you're reduced to this one thing and it's incredibly like it is it reduces you mm-hmm. you stop being seen for your full complexity and it's just and it flips like the day it happens as you say, society shifts around you. Mm-hmm.
0: You become a fucking 25-year-old out there. They're like, so you're legal and eligible. How about it? I
1: know, man. It's just it's distressing. It's distressing. And this film is able to, you know, she's she's desirable. She wants to explore her sexuality. She, you know, is 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 on some level interested in seeing what her breasts can get her. Yeah. And but also feeling deformed, feeling uncomfortable in her, in her own skin you know, Tamara Jenkins is able to show, you know, these two often what seem contradictory things of being mm. in your body of like, sometimes you feel really hot about it. And you feel like I'm these are great. And then no, you feel like you're, you're, the whole reason your dad's having a horrible time. The world sucks is because you've changed and you're sort of responsible internal. I just, she's able to show this complexity and these contradictory things. It, it's just the nuance of being that I couldn't quite like get, just couldn't quite I can't quite verbalize it Mm -hmm. it's just the magic of what she's done here it's not like boobs are evil you see our character really you know embrace what explore what they could mean for her and enjoy Mm -hmm. them but then feel the shame and feel the the idea of being deformity it's just the
0: the masterpiece that is this film that I feel everyone should see you know very sadly I could just keep going with you as we very sadly come to like the toward the end of the time I guess that leads me to wanting to ask you about like the notion of power and, like, the female body and and taking, you know, with polite society, you give a very, like, uh, a very clear, t- tangible ability to our protagonists, to all the characters, like, the, the ability to physically overpower and kick someone else's ass. Like, that is taking this, like, awkward, tumultuous time to be like, I'm going to give these people basically a superpower to, like beat the brakes off of somebody around them and she aspires like our our main character aspires to a career she wants to be a stunt woman where like you become a physical instrument of like precision and control and i wanted to hear from you like taking that and then taking sort of like the the slums of beverly hills aspect of it where we see a girl coming into this stage in her life where the stage where girls are told they have power the stage where girls start hearing from perhaps not good people like well I just couldn't control myself or you're just so beautiful like and where there is the illusion of power put on developing girls that absolves the people who actually have it of the responsibility of wielding it in a meaningful and protective way to be like no you but you have so much power over me like, like look at Alicia Silverstone's entire early filmography like three movies in a row about her being so beautiful men have no choice but to try and have sex with her and she's fully a minor and a high school student And it's like, what if she was so hot men couldn't control themselves? So I wanted to hear from you, just sort of like putting those two movies in conversation of like uh, under the topic of how, like, your relationship and your sort of mindset right now on like Mm -hmm. the power that women have as a sort of contrast to the power that they're told they have that is a tool that is used to scapegoat people who should be not exploiting women and their bodies but be like well once you get hot enough I guess you have this seductive power I can't do anything about like I want to hear from you about the sort of duality of the power and the illusion of power of like young women coming into the world wow you know enterprise question dive in (laughs) uh, Jordan oh oh Jordan Um, I came for us to have a good time to really cover some ground (laughs)
1: honestly when I approached my film I you know the I don't really go into Rhea's worries about her body. If anything, sure. I was like, I wanted this character to just feel embodied, and this and and that be the power of the movie. You see her in herself, in her power, in her element, in a way I never felt. So mm. it's in that way it was exciting to show a character just just believe in themselves. And you know, again, like you say, the physicality of the character. Meant that I could explore, you know, explore a woman in her power. And Rhea gets hit down, she gets back up, hit. Yes. Down. I hope one day someone does a supercut of like how many times this girl got smacked in the face. <laughs> put it on the
0: extras. Somebody put it on the extras.
1: Her power is in her ability to risk failure, mm. uh, which is women, we're often like. We, it's just a lot of fear around failure because there's like uh we hold ourselves to such an insanely high standard of perfection that you mm. know sometimes you don't even take the risk you don't even swing because the fear of failure is so great. To so to see a character risk failure constantly was so exciting and joyful, mm. and, and you know and that that for me was what was really exciting. And I think *Sons of Beverly Hills is is different. And she goes into my character is embodied and is moving through the world and is is dealing with. This society not accepting her. You know, what I feel like with Slums of Beverly Hills, it's so much more, there's a kind of internal anguish about Mm. her body. And that is, again, you feel seen in a different way. I feel like it's empowering to see Rhea Khan embodied physical fighter, Mm -hmm. kicking it smack in the face, but she's a a girl in her body and fully in in control of it. And that is exciting and empowering, but it's equally empowering in it. You feel equally seen when you see a character like Slums of Beverly Hills have to find and negotiate that the truth and the kind of messiness and the, the shame and the, you know, that is all at play and is shown in that film. So it's like, they're different in those ways, but I feel like there's so much that you can, there's so much you can gain from both depictions of, mm. you know, where's a woman in her, in her body, a young woman in her body fighting. She didn't give up martial arts. Like I gave up martial arts, mm. you know, she was almost like the version of myself. I, I, wish I could have been in, in mm-hmm. ways um, whereas like with Vivian this is a girl who is in the trenches with her body <laughs> in yeah. the trenches and it's just another kind of joyfulness to see that explored in cinema like mm-hmm. cinema our stories are deserving of cinema mm-hmm. you know this is a movie film you know I'm like is this I couldn't get over it when I saw Sums of Beverly Hills that I was exploring this like this is this important enough that it's in cinema you feel all of a sudden your small struggles are important are valid and you're finally seen yes I felt seen so deeply by Slums of Beverly Hills And yeah. Uh, oh my god Jordan I could wax lyrical for hours I am evangelical about this film like I said a cornerstone of cinema sure go
0: see your kubricks go see you know yeah they're good like they're good but everybody knows they are so like i don't know i don't need to tell you to go watch citizen kane it's at the top of the list forever so but what i need to tell you and you need to hear is to go watch slums of beverly hills absolutely and also go watch polite society because listen it's nice to see a young girl character whose worst enemy isn't herself. Like, that's cool. We gotta see that sometimes. We gotta see that sometimes. It's necessary. But it's nice to see when a girl's worst enemy is not herself. And that, like you said, like, there's such a there's such a delight in in her being unencumbered by the concerns of how, like, herself could hold her back. And it's only just, like, her kind of crazy imagination compared with, like, an actual healthy dose of skepticism. Turns out she was really right about a lot of things. But to just watch her get to be so certain... Mm. and so, like, uh, able to fail that she will just keep running through walls yeah. and sometimes hit a steel beam in the middle but bounce right back up when it throws on the floor and keep going.
1: Yes. Oh, gosh. Jordan, I couldn't have said it better myself. You, that is, yeah, that is everything.
0: <laughs> we deserve we deserve the confidence of men to just run straight through walls, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, but you just get back and be like, I nailed it, right? Yeah. <laughs> It, right. <laughs> well, Nita, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today about all of this. I it I went on unexpected tributaries, and I'm so grateful to you for following me down those tributaries and really digging into them. Oh well, no, thank you, John. It's like, such a delight to get to
1: chat to you and get. I don't get to talk like this
0: about films
1: I love and in this depth about boobs. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Nita. Uh, I have a great rest of your day, and thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much once again to Nitamanzor for being our guest on this, the 75th episode of Feeling Seen. Uh, we are celebrating our 75th episode here with a guest I have wanted to have on for ages and ages and ages. What a win. Polite Society is in theaters now. Uh, and if you haven't watched We Are Lady Parts, it's on Peacock, you can watch it. These are hours you can spend across this show and this film with fucking rad girls rad girls. They're dope and they do dope shit. And I highly recommend you check both of them out. Support Women in Cinema and and go see Polite Society in a theater. It's a really feel-good time. And who doesn't want that at the movies? You know what? Have yourself a feeling scene double feature. Go to see Mafia Mama and Polite Society in the theaters. And that is will make you feel good. I can pretty much guarantee that. But now I have one quick thing before I go uh, about Denzel Washington, baby. Like we got our fourth John Wick this year in a two hour and 50 minute fourth chapter of that franchise. We love John Wick. We love Keanu, amazing stuff. Give us the Rina Sawayama spin off. Uh, We cannot wait, we are clamoring. But in the meantime, we got another guy with a big gun and some scores to settle, and some scores of baddies to lay waste to, and that is Denzel Washington as Robert McCall, the man of mysterious origin who is extremely adept at killing people. That's what he does. He's, he's a man with a code and with principles who left that life behind, but of course, as movies demand, Just when he thought he was out, they pulled him back in. And we are here for a third time. We are in the third teaming up, uh, at least in this franchise, of Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua for the uh, Equalizer franchise. And guess what, guys? He's back. He's back in a position where he was just trying to live a quiet life. This time, it looks like in a charming Italian town when the mafia starts screwing with this town and he's like, I think it's the line in the trailer is him saying, like, you know, whatever business you have, do it anywhere but here. Like, you just take it out of town. Which, of course, means that it's probably Denzel versus the entire mafia to protect the sort of chosen family. And we love a chosen family on the Feelings Zine podcast that he has assembled around him. Of course, including precocious, adorable children that he has become surely some kind of an uncle to. That um, he is watching over, like, some some guardian angel with a very special set of skills and dakota fanning even finds her way into this trailer make her an assassin i hope the bit we see of her in the trailer is not the only bit of her where she just like pops by and filmed for a day and sits with him and gives us exposition and then leaves like i want to see dakota fanning fuck some people up like Elle's out here having tons of fun Elle's out here killing it and and taken TV by the throat with things like The Great uh, and The Girl from Plainville, Dakota. Let's see the Dakota sance in action. Let's see her be a stone cold killer. Like we lo- we love that for women. We love that for Kate Beckinsale. We love that for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Like we girl boss it up. I'm here for girl boss action. And if we can have a little tributary off the equalizer with some Dakota fan and girl boss action. I'm excited about that. But yeah, Equalizer 3, it's coming. If you were if you were hyped on John Wick, I would imagine you've seen the Equalizer movies. Uh, if you haven't, get off your high horse. Uh, there are more cool men who were dragged back into the Assassin game movies that you should see, and three of them are called the Equalizer. So this franchise has been with us for like almost 10 years now, guys. Uh, Denzel's out here putting in work. So let's uh, respect that. The movie is coming in September, but you can watch the trailer now. So get excited with me. Uh let's all get excited together. And let's let's get ready for the equalizer. Uh and that that's our show. You can follow us on Twitter at pod or send us an email at FeelingScene at maximum dot org. If you want to follow me, I'm Jorker on Twitter. That's J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. This show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun.